This episode of the Sales Leadership Podcast is brought to you by Sales Leadership United. Since 2019, Sales Leadership United has grown to become the largest collection of sales leadership assets in the world. Check out salesleadershipunited.com and tap into tools used by elite sales leaders worldwide. Accelerate your leadership development. Solve modern sales challenges. Use fully prepped sales meetings in your next team meeting. Thousands of hours of sales leadership materials indexed and searchable with a single click. Create your own personal sales leadership library. Head to salesleadershipunited.com and use the code ROB at signup to get a free trial on me. Hi, I'm Rob Jepson, and my mission is to help sales leaders everywhere create record-setting growth from the companies they lead. I'm here to share the secrets of the world's most successful sales leaders. I don't care how big the company or how big the team, we showcase sales leaders who are taking what the market gives and then some. This show features leaders of teams who are beating their markets, winning at crazy rates, and creating life-changing years for the people they lead. The Sales Leadership Podcast is brought to you by Sales Leadership United, the world's largest collection of sales leadership assets. Be sure to check out the all-new salesleadershipunited.com. Fast-track your sales leadership development, gain insights into how other sales leaders are solving challenges similar to the ones you face, and tap into over 400 leadership topics, hundreds of video insights, battle-tested leadership frameworks, and new material that comes out every single week. Sales Leadership United is the easiest investment in yourself you'll ever make. Head to salesleadershipunited.com, use the code ROB at signup, and get a free trial on me. Now, get ready for some serious insights from sales leaders who are making it happen. And remember, don't worry, we got you. Hello, and welcome to the Sales Leadership Podcast, where high-growth sales leaders share high-growth practices and tactics. The show continues to grow so fast. Last month was the biggest month we've had in five years, and it's not slowing down. And man, I love the DMs you keep sending me. Keep them coming, as I love to hear how these conversations are helping you in your career. It's 100% absolutely why I love doing this show every single week. Today's going to be a good one. Today's guest is awesome. I've got a guest that is long overdue to the show, and I'm so excited to introduce him today. I'm talking about Frank Dale. Frank Dale joins the show, and he's been working and with and supporting sales leaders for a long, long, long time. He's done it with the big companies. He's done it with the small companies. He's done it as a startup founder. He's helped companies have crazy growth and then get acquired. He's been on the inside as a founder, as a leader, and as an individual contributor. And then he's also been on the other side as a member of the VC community. He understands growth in an extremely unique way, and he's been part of engineering sales leadership success stories for a couple of decades now. Most recently, he's the founder and CEO of Costello, which was acquired by SalesLoft. And today he's the SVP of product management at SalesLoft, where now he helps shape how SalesLoft fuels growth for best-in-class sales teams all around the world. He's helped plenty of teams learn how to look around corners as they make strategic decisions. And today, he's going to join me to talk about what's next for sales teams and how we can capitalize now so we don't have to play the catch-up game later. If you can't tell, I'm really excited for this convo, and I can't wait to get started. Frank, welcome to the Sales Leadership Podcast, and thank you so much for joining me. Hey, Rob, thanks for having me on. You know I'm a big fan of you, so so excited to, to join today. 
I can't wait. We're going to, we got a fun one lined up today and I can't wait. So why don't we, why don't we do 50,000 people around the world a favor and let's start by introducing them first to sales loft and what you guys do for your customers. Then let's get for another minute or two until your sales leadership journey. Yeah. Happy to. So at sales loft, we serve over 5,000 companies all around the world. Let's go. Sizes. So Everywhere from 10-person startups. So when I started my company, one of the first things that we did was bought sales loft for our sellers, all the way up to people that you know, like Google, LinkedIn, Comcast, IBM. So giant companies as well. And our role is to provide the world's first and only AI-powered sales workflow for sellers. What does that mean? You're probably asking. It means we provide workflow that helps sellers know what to do now, because the most important question to answer in sales is what is most important right now? We know time management's everything. We help them know what to do. We help them execute on the highest priority tasks to create opportunities, to work deals to close, and to renew those deals. So that is what we do here. I'm very happy to do it because, as you mentioned, I started my career in sales. My dad sold me years so I have lived and breathed sales my entire life. Well, I was a fan of what you did at Costello. I I watched that company jump onto the scene and do some really cool things. And it was fun to watch that growth. So I'm a, I'm a fan of that. Maybe you can do our, uh, like I said, maybe you can do our our listeners just another, just a quick introduction to yourself. You said you've been selling your whole life. What was it that attracted you to sales? I, I love meeting with our guests. For five years, I've been looking for the person that said, I knew I was going to be a sales leader or a salesperson when I grew up. I still haven't found that person. Are, are you that person? No. And I, you <laughs> know, it's wild about that My because my dad sold for 40 years. And I'll tell you okay. what, you know, dad is... I think what most people think of a seller and they've never done it, they expect this person to be really outgoing and charismatic. My dad, and I say this with love because we know he won't listen to this, is is none of those things. Like he is steady, <laughs> Let's he go. Is high integrity, but man, he knew his product. He knew the pain points of the people that he served and he knew how to ask the right questions and run the process. And he did it consistently day after day after day. That dude finished number one out of a field of over a thousand sellers, 10 times in a row. There is literally wow. a bust of that guy in the headquarters of Pfizer in New York. He is retired now. So one of the many things I learned from him was A, sales is not a dirty word. Sales is how the world moves, right? Like sales makes the world go round. Everyone that is employed is employed because somebody was able to sell at their employer. So never, ever, if you are in sales, feel bad about what you do because you keep the economy moving and you keep people employed. So I started my career in sales because that was the best way to learn business. I learned a little bit after a while that I'm probably better at making products than I, than I am as a seller. You know, I don't have all of dad's abilities, but I still love sales and I love the people that sell because it is the hardest, I believe, job in business. And it's also one of the most important jobs in business. So if you are in sales, know that you matter. Frank, I love your I love your story. I didn't know that part of your story. I love it. Um, and we could do a whole show on why being an elite salesperson is not about just charisma and ability to build a relationship and have a drink with someone. That could be a whole show in and of itself, just lessons learned from my man, my dad. 
So I, I love that. So so thank you for that intro. I I uh, I love learning that story about you. Every time I meet one of our guests, I love to hear that perspective because everybody's journey is different. Most of us find ourselves as accidentally involved, but then we got to be intentionally successful, and that's what we're going to talk about right now. As as we record this, and as this goes live, I'm I'm pushing this to the front of the list because I think this topic is going to be so important that I want our listeners to hear it. We're prepping for 2024, right? You guys support 5,000 companies. They're all having growth goals for 2024. Our job every year as a sales leader is to create and engineer the greatest year in company history every single year, okay? And SalesLoft, you're a great partner for helping organizations do that. And so as people are figuring that out, they start to like be reflective of tools and processes and things like that, that can I do things by growing instead of by grinding? And right now, the buzzword that everyone talks about, and, and maybe it's the biggest concept that's ever hit in my career, um, is this AI concept. And I think that every time there's a new technology, it creates a fork in the road moment. Like, am I going to lean in or am I going to wait, right? Am I going to, is it a catalyst or is it going to be something I got to catch up with later? And so it can be good and it can also be a problem. And so you used AI right when we started and you're figuring out and leading the charge on how to use that the right way. And AI for sales has a lot of people scared and a lot of people bullish. What do you think? Yeah, that, that is a question of the day. And we're going to spend a bunch of time digging into that. And I, I'd love to get your thoughts as we go through this. Here's the stuff that's most important. There are a bunch of people out there right now telling you something that's not true, but they do it because you're going to click on the article. You're going to listen to the podcast. They're telling you that sellers are going to get replaced by AI. That is nonsense. I will tell you as someone that has been building tools with AI for over seven years, that is absolute nonsense. And why do I say that? Let's go back to the 1870s. We're going to Let's start. Let's go. You look at the beginning of the 1870s, that was started what was called the second industrial revolution. At the beginning of the 1870s, if you were walking around in those days, and if you were, by the way, tell me what you do because you're looking great and I need to do whatever it is you are doing. Thank you. <laughs> if you were walking in the 1870s, you were on the cusp of electricity, light bulbs, trains, cars, the airplane would be coming. All of those things the first well, typewriter, by the way, 1872 by the Remington Corporation. So I'm with you. Let's go. So many things that came that people would have said would have replaced labor. And what did we see? Very few jobs went away. You know which jobs went away? Things that we could automate that were low value. So like when you get in the elevator today, my guess is someone is not there to push the button for you. You do it. But almost every other role, what we saw is that wages went up for people. And why did wages go up? Because in every open and free economy, we push labor to where it has an advantage. And that's something I want you to hang on to for a second here. We go to where there is what's called comparative advantage when you talk to an economist. Humans, it turns out, are really, really good at two things that machines just struggle at. And they happen to be two things that make sellers effective. Humans are good at empathy. That means understanding other people and understanding what they want and why they might want it. And two, they're creative. They can solve problems. Machines, on the other hand, are great at running an algorithm. So 
following a rote task that happens over and over and over again. And so when you look at the history of labor, when technology comes in, what do we see? The rote tasks start to get ripped out and the labor ends up doing the things that are higher value that only humans can do. And by the way, when that happens, by and large, humans end up making more money. They end up making more money. So when we look at sales, the question to ask is not, will AI replace sellers? It's not going to. And it's not going to, going to because there's a comparative advantage that humans bring to the job that machines cannot. But it's also not going to because when you buy something, if it's not a commodity, it's not a pencil, you want to talk to another person because that relationship matters. And in that relationship, trust and credibility are built. And when those things are built, you are willing to make a purchase decision because today, and in particular, this selling environment is like the selling environment I grew up in, where you had a lot of decision makers, people did not have free money. You had to do the work to prove the value of the solution. When somebody bets their budget on your product or solution or service, they are taking a risk and they want to trust the person on the other side of that risk and sellers build that trust. Oh, that's gold, Frank. That is gold. You're right. I sorry I interrupted you. That no. I, I want to sit in that, like, because you're taking me to places when I, I've sold a lot of deals to a lot of companies personally. I'm thinking one of the very largest. You would absolutely know who this company is. Um, and when I sold that deal to him uh, back when I was running Exvoyant, um, he said, "I bet my badge on this, Rob." I bet my badge on this. And I was like, your bet is safe with me. But I remember going back to my team saying, we're going to always do a good job anyway, but, but it's what you said, man. I mean, they, they didn't, they bought because of the capabilities, but they really felt like they could count on me. I, that's important. I think we got a lot of sales leaders listening to you. Can we talk a little bit about that dynamic? Cause I think if we understand that dynamic, we might sell even a little better and differently. Is that a fair thing to say? It's 100% fair. I mean, I, I you know, I would tell you it, like all founders, uh, I found myself back in sales when I was st starting my company. And you know, one of the first things that I did because reputation matters and I play the long game is when we would talk to people, I would describe early on, Hey, here are the problems we solve. Here's who we're a good fit for. Here's who we're not a great fit for. You know, given what I just shared, does this make sense to even keep going forward here? Because I want to make sure we are not wasting your time. And some people opted out. But you know what? Those people also referred people to me because I demonstrated that I was credible and trustworthy because I didn't just try to take their money. I was in it to deliver real value. I love it. Yeah, I love it. I think sales leaders that are listening to this right now, we have a lot of people saying, hey, how do I close faster because it's year end or quarter end or whatever. And I, I always get frustrated by that because there, I don't believe in silver bullets. I think if you have to be in the persuasion business, you've done it wrong in the first place. Um, and so I really like that we can be thinking the people who buy our product, they're making a bet on us. And so how do we create those moments? I love to, I've got them with stars on them here. I've almost filled this my first page of notes already. Trust and credibility. Um, can't ask for it, but you, but you have to build it, right? You got to build it. You got to build it through what you do, right? Character is not what you say. It is what you do. 
You know, we all teach kids that, or at least I hope you do. Yep. Character isn't what you say, it's what you do. So when you're going to build trust and credibility, and you know, that's something we talk about a lot at Sales Loft. Our CEO talks about it as the speed of trust as one of the key factors that has to be present for a deal to get done. You build trust in the way that you engage with that person. Are you respectful? Are you asking the right questions? Are you actually listening to them? Are you listening to what's said and unsaid and then asking the right follow-up questions? Do you follow up on time? And when you follow up, is it quality? Is it a quality follow-up? All of those things start to build trust and credibility. And if you're not doing them, people are less likely to go with you because they don't want to make a bet that is going to hurt their career because they bet on the wrong horse. Mm. It's good. So let me be devil's advocate on this. So in the world of machines and AI, could you make the argument that you could build trust by having repeatable and predictable interactions, you do you visit this or you click this, then this always happens. Is there is there anything to that? So here's where AI can help. That's a, it's the right question to ask. So AI is great at doing routine and predictable things. It is great at picking up rote manual tasks. And so often, if we look at the things that get in the way of the modern seller, you know, on the modern seller, if you think about this, and this is wild only spends about 30% of their time today in conversations like this one. And that is the highest value thing that they can do, right? Because that's where humans are at their best. Where machines should pick up and deliver more time in front of the customer is by pulling out a lot of that rote manual work. So here's an example of where AI can help. And this is something okay. that we built. Let's say this is a sales call. We're on a sales call. I'm recording it. I've got a transcript because I'm recording with your permission. We can extract from this call a synopsis of the call plus the action items. We can put it in an email for the seller to edit, queue it up for them at the end of the call. All they have to do is go in and edit it. Then they send it to the person they were just talking to. You build trust and credibility because you followed up and you followed up in a prompt manner. AI is great for that. But you know what okay. it's not going to do in there, Jeff? It is not going to go in there and think through all the nuance. Even the best AI, and we, we use the cutting edge stuff isn't going to think through all of the nuance because humans will bring things to that interaction that AI will not know. Humans bring their life experience. They bring the life experience of the person that they're listening to. They are able to think through nuance that even AI can't catch. So like, here's a simple one, right? If you're coaching a young seller, one of the things that you usually have to do is if they're early, early in their career and they're trying to figure out how to get the person they're talking to, to introduce them to, let's say, the economic buyer or someone else in the deal, because you know that these people have to be involved in the evaluation process, but we'll pretend for a second that the person that you're speaking to, so your young seller speaking to, the direct contact is maybe somebody that's a little reticent to do that because they want to make sure that they're not going to look like a fool if they put you in front of them or they want to make sure that they know what you're going to say when you get in front of their boss so you don't make them look bad. AI, to typ typically today, even with the best models, it's not going to pick up on that. It's not going to pick up on that hesitation. It's not going to pick up on that nuance. A human will. And a manager in particular who's a good sales coach can go in there and say, hey, and I've had to coach sellers to do it, and I know you have too. Here's what I think is going on here. We need to demonstrate to this person we're trustworthy if we go to their boss. And they can trust us not to go off script in that meeting 
And therefore, they're going to be willing to make that introduction because they know what they're getting when we get in there. So here's what we're going to say. And you coach them through it. That matters. That kind of stuff matters. AI might pick up over time on words to use, but it's going to struggle to pick up on the facial expressions, the hesitation in the sound of the voice, all of those things that matter. But I guess what I'm hearing you say is maybe more than we've ever been. And this has been around, like we've both been in this game for a minute, right? And you were raised in it. Um, we are in the people business. And I'm not saying, oh, if they like you, they'll do business with you. I think those days are over. It's not enough just to be liked. But we are in the people business in the sense that you said, we've got to create context. We've got to create connection. We, we got to create those nuances around things that build trust. And you want to create not, I got you. I think every single person can say, oh, Frank, you want that? I got you. We, yeah. We're not talking about transactions. We want them to say, oh, Frank gets me. I get you is far more powerful than I got you. Is that is that what you're saying? That is exactly right, right? Deals Deals happen when two things are true. They have a real problem that you can solve and they want to do a deal with you. And that second piece matters. People make deals because they feel like it. They can make deals with anyone. They don't have to make a deal with you. They can make a deal with someone else. They make deals if they feel like it. And one of the things that will get you there the fastest is if they feel like you truly understand them and you care. And that last piece matters. And a human can transmit that to another human. Somebody else can't. Like you were just telling, telling us about that large deal that you closed where the person yeah. put their badge on you. They believed that you cared and they trusted you. Somebody else could have presented the exact same business case. And that does matter, right? You have to demonstrate real value. I agree. It's, it's not enough to just be friends. Right. Somebody else could have identified that exact same business case that could have pitched it. But that person might not have been willing to make the bet because if they didn't think that the person on the other end of that pitch, the person pitching to them, cared and meant it and was willing and committed to deliver, well, that's a risk. That is a risk. And do you really want to lose your job over making a bad bet? Most people don't. Most people are not in the game for risk. Most people are risk averse. And that's one of the things you have to get people over and through and past when you're in sales. You have to lower the perception of risk and you have to build trust to do that. Trust is the only currency. You're right. You're right. Um, in fact, I would argue, and tell me what you think, because you're an expert in this. You're spending a lot more time. And I'm I'm committed to learning as much as I can and staying close because I think AI is too important that you're stupid if you aren't learning about it. So I've learned a lot. I'm dabbling and I'm finding things that are helpful and things that are only interesting, but not that helpful, right? And I would imagine that you would have a better insight on this. So I can't wait to get your take on it. Does it backfire? Because I think sometimes when you use a machine to do something, it's obvious that it wasn't an actual real human being. And when that happens, it actually creates less trust because it's like, come on, man. I mean, am I right on that? Or is that like just me who feels that way? No, I think you're hundred percent right. Like, you know, and the reality is even before AI, we've all gotten really terrible sales emails, right? We've gotten emails that were clearly yeah. By marketing, they were clearly part of like Marketo or Eloqua or you know HubSpot, whatever marketing automation platform you're using, mm -hmm. tailored to you as an individual. They're not speaking to pain points that you have. 
and it just feels like a pitch. Or a company that I ran two companies ago, for example. I, I don't know how I still got that. That happens to me all the time. Yeah, it does. And, and you know what? When you get that, people know. They know. You know, and going back to what is what are machines good at? They're certainly good at creating content. I think the thing that's blown everybody's minds when, uh, you know, and the reality, by the way, is the the technology that ChatGPT has been built on until they gave people that interface, it had been around for quite a bit, like over a year, mm -hmm. right? Over a year. And it was just a better form factor that made it more accessible to people. Machines have been able to write things for you for a while now. And they're getting better and better at it. And I would treat it as uh, a writing partner, not the author. Because for all of the reasons you just mentioned, it's going to get you to the first draft faster. And that's what you want. It's going to give you more time back to do the things that are highest value. But it still doesn't bring what you bring to the table. All right. So this is a perfect setup. I'm looking at time because I, I can't believe that we're halfway through this conversation already. That went really fast. I feel like I blinked my eyes and we're halfway through. Um, I got, we got a whole bunch of sales leaders here listening and they're like, okay, okay, this is really cool. So now I'm thinking, I'm trying to sit in their chair. All right. Given that, what should we be thinking about going into 2024? Like, I'm going to guess one of the ones is double down on coaching. You'd already mentioned that, but there's going to be some winning plays on what should we be doubling down on if we want to go into 2024 and where does AI fit and what should I need to do as a leader? I'm guessing you have some thoughts about where leaders can be doubling down uh, as you work to support 5,000 com companies that are going to be very similar to the 50,000 people that are listening. Yeah. So I'll tell you, I would focus on three things. Three things, and two of which support the first thing that I'm about to say. Okay, let's number go. One, I love it. Number one, focus on developing their skill set. Like the reality is a lot of the sellers that you have right now grew up in a zero interest rate environment. They are actually having to learn to sell. And I'm not trying to say that to be mean, but the reality is what they were having to do to be successful over the last four years was entirely easier than anything I was doing back in the early 2000s when you had to go prove value, build a buying committee, and close a deal. Brother, I got to interrupt you. I'm sorry, because you just hit a nerve. And I, I've already done six SKOs for different clients uh, as we record this. One of them is a, a really large uh, commercial bank. And, uh, and, and they are asked to continue to be a growth story. And the guy that drove me back to the airport, I was thought I was going to Uber back. He's like, Hey, can I drive you to the airport? He wanted to like talk to me. He's like, Rob, how am I supposed to grow with interest rates being what they are right now? And my, my mind, it was giving stuff away is not salesmanship. There's no salesmanship in, no. in, right. And it was just interesting that you say that because he was so concerned that, well, it, anyway, sorry to interrupt you. So you're right. I think you're right. We are looking at an environment where people are still going to have to do things. Just we're going to have to have different skills to make sure that we can make that happen. I love that. Yeah, it, it's the truth, right? You have to be in someone's top three. If you are not in their top three objectives, or you can't get them to make it a top three objective, it is not happening. It is not happening. Budgets are not there for that. People will not take that risk. Now, how do you get there? How do you get the time that you need to coach? And how do you know where to coach? That's where technology can be helpful. And it's going to help you if you're a manager in two ways. So this is where AI is great. It can apply the same rules over and over again to serve as decision support. 
So one of the biggest challenges you will have as a manager, as a director, as a VP, SVP, or CRO is looking across your book of business. Because when I'm a seller, I might have 20 to 40 ops that I'm running, depending on the size of the deals that I work at any one point in time. That in and of itself is a lot to stay on top of. But if I'm a manager, I could have six to eight people I manage. That means I could have anywhere from 240 to 320 deals that are running mm. at one point in time. How do you find the ones that matter? That's where machines are great. Machines are great at applying rule sets and saying, hey, compared to all of the deals that you've closed in the past, this part of your portfolio looks great. This part is a dog. You need to get it out of there. And this group in the middle, it could be one. This is where you need to lean in. And here are the risk factors. AI is great for that. You know, if I look at the things that we have built, it is to assess those deals, highlight the ones where the manager can lean in and start to coach, because those are the ones that make you hit the number or miss the number. That's step one. Step two, you want to make the sellers as productive as possible. We want as much in-person time with humans, whether it's on the phone, it's on a Zoom call or in-person as possible, because that is how you build trust and credibility. What you need to do, though, is you got to rip out from their workday as much of the admin duty, the logging of activities, all of the things that get in the way of that. AI, again, great for that. Why is it great for that? It can take low-value manual and repetitive work that your sellers do today, and it automates it. And we built a bunch of products to do that because cool. we want sellers active selling time. And active selling time, it means conversation time. Time with. I'll uh, say that one more time. I want our I want our listeners to hear that loud and clear, Frank, because I think that's gold. It's the truth. Active selling time is conversation time. It is time when you are talking to someone. That is when deals get done. There's a ton of work that goes around it, and it's one of the things that makes sales tough. Because if you think about the life of the seller at the abstract level, you're doing three things. You are an empathy professional. You have to understand humans and know how to work with them. You are a consultant. You have to understand what their problems are and help them understand whether or not the problem they think they have is actually the root cause problem or not. And you're a project manager because you have to manage all of those deals, all the things going on around your deals, the projects, the follow-ups, the different people that might be in there on your side, contracts, you name it. Very few people are awesome at all three of those things. Technology ought to pick up a lot of that project management for your seller and make it as small as humanly possible so they spend their time doing what the human is best at, and that is in conversation with your buyer, building trust and relationship that requires empathy and doing the consulting to help them understand the value they're going to get. And the leadership version of that is having as much conversation time with the reps, right? Exactly. That's exactly right. And so we want to take from the, the manager as much of that drudgery that gets in the way of that as possible. All of the finding the needle in the haystack stuff that they have to do all day, every day to figure out what's going on with the given deal, which deals to focus on, which things are at risk, where there's maybe a skill gap you might want to focus on with a given seller. We just want to bubble all of the important details up to the surface for the manager. That's where technologies like SalesLoft are great. It allows the manager to lean in, go to the seller, know exactly what to talk about, when to do it, and move the needle that way. They make impact that way because they help the seller perform in the moments that matter. 
right? You and I both love sports. In sports, the best athletes show up in moments of impact, right? Moments of impact, it's when the game's on the line. It's those small details. Doing it right in that moment wins the game. Sellers need coaching to know how to do it right in that moment. People with experience can provide that coaching, but only if they know which moments are the moments of impact for that seller. So getting rid of all that drudgery, bubbling up the things that matter, that is what technology is great for. So managers can impart their experience to help the seller win. I'm picking up what you're putting down, Frank. That's really good. I love the moments that matter concept that we as, as sales leaders should be working with our members of our team to intentionally engineer those. We got to, we got to be more intentional. If we're going to continue to grow every year, I'm a big believer that too many people celebrate and embrace the grind. And there was a time where I guess that was, that was the jam. I don't think it's now we got to grow. We got to grow. Yes. But we got to, if we want the business to grow, the people has to grow as well. Right. And so I, that's my whole theme for this year is growth over grind. Can I choose growth instead of grind? I, uh, in fact, I think that we have to do a better job of protecting parts of ourselves so we can be the best version of ourselves so we can do those things. So I love that we're looking to to be more intentional at finding those moments that matter. Um, I really like it. So, I mean, focus on developing skill sets. That's the thing that you would start with. And, and we would do that by eliminating those administrative things, finding those moments that matter. What a great buildup for that. What what else did you have do you have in there but after skill focusing on skill sets? Yeah, number number one skill sets. Number two, identify those moments of impact, right? Know Got where it. to coach and why to coach. Number three, get rid of all of the admin work as much as possible, the drudgery, all the project management. Make it as small as possible so they can be in conversation time with the customer. And here's what happens. You get a seller that's more productive. You get a seller that's more effective when they're in and the they're happier, more and fulfilled. They're, they're doing the shit they want to do. That's exactly right. And they're not exhausted. They're not exhausted, right? Like one of my favorite stories from a customer at SalesLoft, one of our products is called Cadence. He told us as a customer in London, he named his dog Cadence. He named his dog Cadence because he could finally stop working at 5.30 or 6 every night because we had made him so productive, he was hitting and beating his number and wasn't having to work till 7, 8, and 9 p.m. And the reality is a seller that comes in refreshed every day when things are stressful or tense or you're in that high-impact conversation with the customer, their mind is ready to go. They're mentally and emotionally ready, and they're going to perform in that moment. The person that is ground down because they're doing a bunch of stuff that isn't that valuable, but they know they have to do, like updating the CRM, that person is going to be tired and they're not going to perform at their best. It's like not feeding an athlete before a game. Who do you mm. think is going to win? The person that eats mm. right a couple hours before the game or the person that wakes up for a noon game at 8 a.m., has a glass of water and hopes it works out. All right, Frank, we've only got 10 minutes-ish left. This has gone ridiculously fast. And I, I know that I want to finish in a couple of places, but you got such a great background with what you've done in creating coaching tools. And you talked about coaching. Um, I, I'm really interested in your point of view because coaching is a word that I think is largely misunderstood. 
And um, some leaders make the mistake of only coaching people that are not hitting their number, for example, or they talk about coaching as fixing. And there's just a lot, I think, if I was to be asked, what's the number one skill for a leader to have, a sales leader to have? I would choose coaching because I think our role is to pull out the very best that every person on our team has to offer. And, and, and so I think there's a lot of misunderstanding. Any top of mind thoughts on coaching? I know that we hadn't talked about this to prep for this, but I'm very interested because you are an expert in it. You've brought it up multiple times. It's where you think that we should double down as leaders. Any thoughts on how to get that right? Because I think a lot of people unknowingly get it wrong. I, I am so with you on that. It, it is not about fixing. It's not, right? I love building products for people. I love coaching and working with my team to do that because I like helping people realize what they're capable of. You know, I am not a Nick Saban or Alabama fan, but he said something the other day that really resonated with me. He said, you know, I don't talk to my players about potential. I talk to them about capability and I don't hmm. talk potential gap and performance gap because I, I talk about a capability gap because you might've performed at this level today, but you're actually capable of something greater than that. And so when you are coaching people, what you're coaching them to is their ceiling. And what you want to do is reframe the conversation and your approach to it as, hey, I want you to realize what you are truly capable of, because I think there's more to you than you may think that there is to you. And if we can reframe this together, you are capable of more. And if you do it that way, and that has always been my approach to coaching, people embrace it. They embrace it. And they get excited because now for them, it is about them. It's not about you asking them for stuff. It is about them becoming the best version of themselves. And I totally agree with you. If I had to pick one thing for managers to be great at, it is coaching. It is coaching. I do the things that I do all day, every day, because I love human ability. I love watching people unleash their capabilities in this world. And I want to see more people do it. I want to see more people realize what they're po what is possible for them. And coaching is the way to do it. It's funny that you use the word capabilities. I really love it. I've said for a long time that coaching is the art of creating new possibilities. Mm -hmm. And that managers or the average leader, they create more activities. What we should be thinking about is can we create new possibilities? And so I love that you went to the word capabilities, because again, I feel like we got to find ways to tease it out because you can't, I don't think you can mandate growth. I don't think you can mandate improvement. I don't think you can demand that. And do you have, like, what's your thought around that? I, I totally agree. Pe people do the best when they do something because they want to, not because they have to. And that is a hard concept for some people to accept because they'll often they'll sit here and they'll say, hey. I get, I get what you're saying to me, Frank, but they still, the data tells me they've still got to do, I don't know, a couple hundred activities a week to be successful. Hey, what I'm not saying is your data is wrong. What I'm saying is if you're going and just telling them, I need you to do 200 activities a week because that's what a good seller does here, they're probably not going to get real fired up about that. No. If on the other hand, I, I say, hey, I think you are capable of developing better relationships with your customer. And I think you are capable of not just hitting your number, but beating your number because you have the ability within you. And what we're going to do is pull it out together. Well, that's a different conversation, right? I see something in you that you may not see in yourself. And I see that because we live in a world that tends to not let people see what is possible for them. 
most of our world tells people that they can't do things. Like that's the simple truth. Most of the world tells you what you can't do, what you're not able to do. It assumes that you need more credentials than you probably need to do to be successful. It assumes so many things about you that are probably not true. And so people light up when you go to them and say, hey, I understand that your upbringing might have told you one thing, whether your prior job told you that your ceiling is X, but I actually see something in you that they don't. And I think if we want to realize that together, we can. And if you do, here's what the world's going to look like for you. So why don't we do that? Yeah, I love this, Frank. Uh, man, we're, we are similarly, we are very aligned in how we look at coaching. And um, and I want to sit in it for just a minute longer. I, I One of my strongest beliefs is that talent is a gift. We all have talents, but growth is a choice. We have to choose to outgrow our talent. And that means we set standards that we have someone that helps us realize what we are capable of and that the talent we've been given is not a ceiling. It's just a starting point. And that involves a lot of mindset work, which most leaders are not trained in. How do you teach someone to think outside of talent, to think bigger and think different? Any insights for a whole bunch of sales leaders that are listening to this? I think everybody wants to be that kind of a high impact coach. Any any advice on how to help people think about capabilities and outgrowing talent and things like that? Yeah, I, I am 100% aligned with you. Like I am completely aligned with you on that. The conversation has to be over and over again. Hey, I see something in you that you may not see in yourself. I think you might be getting in your own way. We're going to try something. So I want you to just try something once. It's going to feel uncomfortable. Maybe we're going to role play it. But just let's take a risk once and let's try this in your next conversation. Let's take a risk this one time, this next time. We'll try something else, whether it's in an email or it's in a meeting or in a presentation. The key to all of this is can you change the way they look at themselves? Mm, that's so good, Frank. Can you change how they look at themselves? Because in order to make room for new beliefs, you got to let go of old ones. Fair? That's, that's exactly right. That is exactly it. And what you often find is that people that are capable of performing at a top level and haven't, the problem is the way they look at themselves. There's something that they believe about themselves that is not true, and it gets in the way. Like if I look at my life, it has just been in an unfolding, a constant unfolding of me changing the way that I view what I'm capable of. And then I take that new belief and it propels me up to the next level over and over and over again. I'm constantly looking for the thing that is getting in the way because anyone can put the work in, but to put the work in and want to put the work in, you have to believe that you can get to the end result. And if you don't believe that, you won't do it. Dude, we're going to have you back early next year, and we're going to have a masterclass just on coaching. Let's let's have a conversation yeah. just on coaching next year. Let's do it early in the year because I want to help people get off on the rights. If, if we could have our leaders just leave this saying, create more conversation moments, create more of those moments of influence that you talked about, Um help people see themselves differently, more capable. Uh, if that's all they did, 
like the results would be astronomical, right? Yeah, your your team would be unstoppable because they will go out and they will start doing the things that you wanted them to do. And they're going to do it because they want to do it themselves and they believe that it is going to work for them. Like that's what you need. Like a team that goes and does the right thing consistently is the team that wins. Like we all know in sales, you're not going to close every deal and you shouldn't because some aren't a great fit. Amen. But it's the people that do the right thing day after day after day in those moments that matter that end up outperforming. All right. We are, we've come up on it, but I, I want to give you a chance to kind of wrap a bow around it and talk about finish, like lever creating leverage. That's, that's one of the concepts I got from you is, is using think tools like AI, not to be a buzzword, but to be a leverage creator is kind of what I wrote down as I listened to you. Let's first do this. How do people get more of you? How do they, how do they connect with Frank? How do they get more of what you have to offer? How do they learn more about sales loft? Listen, I think if you're not aware of them, you ought to be uh, all of that. How do they get you? How do they get sales loft? How, how do they get more of where you are? Cause you're leading that charge and you're probably a really good person to follow. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks for asking. So salesloft.com is our site. We always have a ton of content there. I'm on LinkedIn, Frank C. Dale on LinkedIn, Frank C. Dale on Twitter. Happy to connect in any of those venues. Um, we love sellers. I, th I think you know that. You do. Sales love. love. You're known for sales love. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I love sellers. You love sellers. Like this is kind of the critical time of year for people. So we're putting out a lot of content right now that just takes data we've gotten and helps people understand what's working, what's not working. So you can go back to sellers. Like here's a simple example. We're going to release a capability uh, in March here that's going to help people understand how many people need to be on your deals and by what stage in order for them to cool. close. Why does that matter? Because it's hard to coach without that data. I mean, think about the difference. Like if today you go to a seller and you say, hey, our typical deal has five people on it. I don't see it. I need you to go at them. That's going to feel like admin work for them. If on the other hand, you say, hey, Frank, I'm looking at your pipeline right now. Half of your deals that are in our third stage out of five have one person on that deal. Over the last 500 deals this company's closed, only two have ever closed like that. Are you really going to be the third? That is a different conversation. Now I know why it matters. And you're not just asking me to do stuff because it's my boss asking me to do something. You're trying to help me do what's going to make me successful. So when we build things at sales off, that is why we build them. And, and you're going to see more and more from us throughout the year, taking data like that, empowering managers, empowering sellers to know what is going to work for them so that when they do things, they know that they're doing the right things. And then when they get to those conversations, they know what matters. But we'll make it really easy for our listeners to subscribe to those things. We'll get the links to your LinkedIn and to SalesLoft. Is there a place that if they subscribe on SalesLoft, they'll get those pieces of data and those content pieces? Absolutely. Yeah. And you're going to yeah. see just more and more out of it, out of us. And, so, and the reason you're going to see that, by the way, Jeb, is we have built, we're building the best data platform in our industry. We are pulling in things from email, text messages, conversation transcripts, your CRM data, partner information all into one place and we are modeling it in a way that nobody else is to pull out those insights. And what we aren't gonna do is spam blast the world with that. We just wanna give you what are the top three things you need to focus on because that's where you get leverage. Sellers are managers. Sorry. 
No, go ahead. Sellers are busy. Managers are busy. You need the top three things because that's where you're going to get your leverage. And that's what we're focusing on. All right. So we're going to make sure that people are easy to sign up for those. When that data is ready, hit me up and we'll have you on and we'll walk through some of that for a bunch of people as well. Okay. Um, uh, we've gone over past time, but it's worth it. You were that good, dude. And it went fast. I want to give you like a kind of couple minutes for final thoughts around leverage and the balance of AI and maybe even more important. Don't, don't be afraid of that. Be, be afraid of not being in the people business. I don't know. How would you put a bow on what we've just talked about today? Yeah. I, I think at the end of the day, humans are best at being human and we should not be afraid of that. We should not be afraid of that. And that is, while technology is great. Listen, I create technology. I'm a technologist. I love it. I love trying new technology. At the end of the day, a sale happens when a seller connects with a buyer to solve a problem and trust and credibility are built that you can deliver on that. Machines are not going to replace you for that. Deals will not close themselves. Nothing of any real value where risk is involved happens without a seller. So AI, it's going to take over a bunch of the low value labor that we get stuck doing in sales. And we get stuck doing it because we didn't have anything to get that stuff out of our way. But it's going to, and it's going to let you focus on what you are best at. So sales is not going anyway. And I'll, I'll close with a, a story in 1959. And this will tell you how bad humans are at Let's predicting uh, you know, labor going away, jobs going away. In 1959, the United States, I'm a big fan of Jets. Like I've watched, uh, you know, Top Gun Maverick probably 20 times. Which I'm okay. Not say. Let's go. 1959, the United States put into service the F-106 Dart, Delta Dart. At the time, that was the fastest, and by the way, still is the fastest single engine air intake jet in the world. Wow. That speed record has not been broken. That thing at the time would allow a controller on the ground once the pilot had taken off and the pilot also handed landing to fly the plane. And then eventually it could be fully automated. People predicted that would be the last plane in the military flown by pilots. In 2006, we released what is the world's at least disclosed most advanced fighter jet ever, the F-35. That thing has a radar signature that's so small, if a bird is flying, it's easier for radar to find a bird than that thing. Wow. It is flown by pilots. And not only did we release that in 2006, we're still building them. We build about 156 a year. They cost between 102 and $109 million per jet. And they keep improving them. They're the most technical, technologically advanced aircraft in the world, if not the most technologically advanced any product in the world. And it's still flown by a human. So you are not going away, my friends. You are not going away anytime soon. Over and over and over again, whether it was 1870 or 1959, people have undercounted the ability of humans. Technology is great. It's not going to replace you. It's just going to let you focus on what you're best at. Frank, what a great way to end. You you uh, were fantastic, even better. I had a high bar for today, and it was even better than I thought. Uh, to, to all of us listening, he, this is Frank Dale. Uh, he is leading the charge at Sales Loft, helping thousands of leaders, like thousands and thousands and thousands of users all around the world, 
create more of these inflection points, more of these moments of influence, more of these moments that matter, helping people build trust and credibility and, and create connection instead of just activities. And my advice is to connect to him. My advice is to follow him. My advice is to make sure that you're picking up what he's putting down because this is someone that you can listen to and trust as you figure out what your plan is going to be in 2024 as you work to create your greatest year in company history because it's going to take people and it's going to take processes and it's going to take us all finding ways to get better at what matters most. So Frank, on behalf of 50,000 people around the world, thank you so much. And I wish you only the best in your holiday time and, and the fantastic 2024 next year. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me on. And to all of you out there in sales, hey, we are we are with you and good luck as you close out this calendar year. I know it's tough. I know you I know you're tired. I know it's stressful, but just know you make the world run. The world runs on sales. Hey, everyone, welcome to another So What portion of the Sales Leadership Podcast, where we break down that interview and we ask ourselves, why did that conversation even matter? But first, this episode is brought to you by Sales Leadership United, and Sales Leadership United has grown to be the largest collection of sales leadership assets in the world. If you haven't been to salesleadershipunited.com, get over there and check it out. Listen, I coach over 100 sales leaders. They're in big companies and new companies. They're in every industry. They're people that are new to leadership. They're people that are new to the company. They're some of the most seasoned sales leaders in the world. What they all have in common is they're good sales leaders that are trying to become elite. And every single one of them wants more tools. Every single one of them wants more insights. Every single one of them wants more perspective. They ask me questions like, how do you create systems? How do you create foundations? How do we create better change? How do we coach more effectively? How do we lead up or manage up or even connect to a totally different generation? But the number one question I get, it's what are other leaders like me doing to solve problems like the ones I'm facing right now? And that's why you want to check out Sales Leadership United. Answers to all those questions that I've mentioned, all the tools, all the training, all the techniques, perspective that can only come from the benefit of thousands of hours with other leaders from all around the world. <clears throat> if you haven't checked out Sales Leadership United, head to salesleadershipunited.com, use the code ROB to get a free trial, do it as a holiday gift uh, to yourself. Uh, as we record this here in December, this will maybe be the greatest gift you give yourself for your career. Now, back to the show, I'm so glad Frank joined me this week because he brings such an important perspective, but also a breath of fresh air because he came out with heat and with truth. Frank started with a really important quote. Here's what he said. Most of what is said about AI is nonsense. Nonsense is what he said. And he's right. Listen, um, Frank's helping build a product that leverages AI for salespeople in ways that are difference makers. They're not buzzwords. Frank is all in and he absolutely positively knows what he's talking about. AI should make it so we leverage the strengths that we have as salespeople to the very best of our abilities. And that's a perspective that every one of us should have as sales leaders. Man, he, he referred to that over and over again. What humans are good at, what machines are good at. That's a really good lens for us to be looking at. As you're looking for your tech stack, what do you want the humans to do? What are the things that machines should do? Um, and maybe most important, how do we fuel what really is possible? 
That was probably my favorite part of this conversation because elite leaders, I felt for a long time, what they do is create new possibilities, not simply more activities. There's too many activity managers out there. I want you to be a leader who creates new possibilities. Now, that's easy to say, hard to do. So I want you to ask yourself, how do I create new possibilities? Because every single year as sales leaders, we will be asked to engineer the greatest year in company history every year. And you need to be the leader that people look to with confidence. I think coaching is about teasing out the very best a person has to offer. It's about helping them bring the very best of what they're capable of to the table. And that's why I loved this conversation with Frank so much. Yes, we do need to use tools that will automate things that should be and can be automated. But we need to remember that we are in the people business. I love Frank's definition of when a sales happen. He said it three times in the episode. If you don't remember it, go back and find it. You should write it down. You should take that to your team. I'm not even going to tell you what it is because I want you to go find it. I want you to say, what was that, Rob? Go find it. Take it to your team. That by itself will be a great sales meeting is to take Frank's definition of what has to happen in order for a sale to happen. Because yes, we are in the people business. So when Frank suggested that we need to help people see themselves just a little differently, that really resonated with me. As you work on your plans for the coming year or the coming quarter or the coming whatever, ask yourself this. Ask yourself Frank's question. How do I help this person see themselves just a little differently? And then help them trade up. Help them believe a little different. Help them act a little different. Help them cut through the fog that sometimes is scary. Tell them something that starts like this. I think you're capable of, and then whatever you fill that blank with, that can be the start of an entirely different mindset, and that can be the start of an entirely different career. You see, we don't need massive mindset shifts. We just need small ones done consistently because in sales, small improvements create large disproportionate results. So let's be a little more human in how we lead. Let's be a little more human in how we coach. And let's never forget that people are what fuel production. Now, as I record this, we're finishing 2023 and we're preparing for 2024. And I'm really excited that I'm sharing this episode with you as you're gearing up for next year. Here's my challenge. Spend time thinking through what each member of your team is capable of, and then discuss it with them. Help them see themselves differently. Channel a little Frank Dale. Help them see themselves just a little differently. Because if you change how you think, you will change how you perform. Frank, thank you so much for joining me. Congratulations on your success. I appreciate you sharing how AI can be best used in sales. And even more, I appreciate the insights you've shared about connecting to and focusing on what an individual is truly capable of. Because my experience has been we are all far more capable of things we give ourselves credit for. My advice is to connect with Frank. Reach out to him. Subscribe to the resources that he and the Sales Loft team have to offer. Sales Loft brings sales love to the world, and you'll be a better leader of your team if you're leveraging the tools they have to offer. And be sure to check out Sales Leadership United to get the video segments of the highlights of my conversation with Frank and the other amazing guests of the show. I'll have several clips that will be huge leadership resources for you. You'll want to use these videos for sure. 
Finally, thanks to each of you, our listeners. The greatest compliment you can give each of us you can give us is to share the show with those you work with. Introduce them to the Sales Leadership Podcast. Leave us a review on iTunes, and you can support the show by checking out Sales Leadership United. Head to Sales Leadership United and check it out. You'll be glad you did. As we are in the holiday time, I want to thank you for your ongoing support of the Sales Leadership Podcast. Our job is to create life-changing years for the people we live, we, that we lead. I wish you the happiest of holidays. I wish you the greatest success next year. I hope you take some time to recharge, reflect, and get ready for the greatest year of your career. And if you liked this message, please share it with someone who needs to hear it, and then let's get after it. Because life is short. We got no guarantee of what comes tomorrow. Maximize your today. Be elite, live strong, and chase your passions. And do your best work so you can live your best life. And don't ever forget... You got this, and I got you. Have a terrific week. Thank you so much for joining the Sales Leadership Podcast, the award-winning sales leadership podcast for those sales leaders looking to create legendary impact to those they lead. The greatest compliment you can give is to share this show and any of your favorite episodes with your fellow sales leaders, social media followers, or other communities you're part of. The Sales Leadership Podcast is brought to you by the Jepson Performance Group. If you want to discuss any of the topics discussed on the show, want to level up your leadership impact, discuss executive coaching services, or even include me at an upcoming event, hit me up at rob at jetpg.com. That's rob at jeppg.com. And to those of you working to become a legendary sales leader, I salute you and wish you much success on your journey. Whenever you need someone in your corner, you know where to find me.